Hello friends, is anyone out there ready for a new beginning? Wouldn't it be nice just to call time out and wipe the slate clean and say, okay, let's start over. Uh, and I don't mean go back to 2018. I don't mean go back to 1978 or 68 or 58 or whatever. I mean a new beginning. And if you're here today, I've been praying for you. We may not know each other. We may not have ever interacted in person, but I believe today is a new beginning for you. Today can be a new beginning for all of us because that's what God does. And I wanna invite you to get your Bible out, whether you got a paper Bible uh, here in the pages or, or maybe you have a phone, but, but get the text. We'll put the, the text on the screen, but I want you to see these words and feel these words. And I wanna tell you a story that begins now, it doesn't begin in Acts chapter 9. We will begin in Acts chapter 9, starting in verse 1. Let's get right to it. Meanwhile, Saul was still breathing out murderous threats against the Lord's disciples. He went to the high priest and asked him for letters to the synagogues in Damascus, so that if he found any there who belonged to the way, whether men or women, he might take them as prisoners to Jerusalem. Murderous threats. Think about that. In verse 1, Saul was breathing out murderous threats. I mean, this is Twitter before there was Twitter, before there was even, even, uh, even social media for people to rant about. I just can't believe these followers of the way. And that's what they called Christians before they were called Christians. And it's a, it's a play on Jesus saying, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. I'm the road. I'm literally the way that you're supposed to be in the world, but I will show you the way to God. And Paul was not having it. These, the, this guy, Jesus, who popped up and supposedly came back to life, Paul wasn't having any of that, breathing out murderous threats, had gone to the point where like, <laughs> like he, he was persecuting the people who were following, and he wanted all the people to be just crushed, all the people who were following the way of Jesus. He wanted to cut that off right at the beginning. So we see in verse three, but Saul began to destroy the church going from house to house. He dragged off both men and women and put them in prison. This is how Saul is living his life at this point. And it, we read it so clean in, in, a, in a Bible that he's dragging people off. But think about that for a second. Have you ever seen someone dragged off against their will? Imagine in the comfort and safety of someone's home, this guy Saul barges in with some muscle behind him most likely, grabbing people, resisting and dragging them off to be beaten dragging them off through the streets, humiliated. There's a, like, it, it, for me, it doesn't even come through the emotion that has to be there. If we just read right by it, this is how he's chosen to channel his anger at this new movement. This is how Saul is choosing to spend his life and he's destroying the church house to house. And now he wants to go all the way up to Damascus if you've, if you've got a map in the back of your Bible and you see a map of ancient Israel, Jerusalem's at the bottom. That's where Paul was doing most of his business, down in the south part of the country. And Damascus is way up at the top. Depending how, 
uh, which way you get up there, it's either 130 miles or 150 miles away from Jerusalem. And this is before Uber. <laughs> this is before Teslas. There's no, uh, there's no first class ticket on Delta Airlines that's gonna take you there. In the ancient world, conservatively, it was at least a six day journey maybe even a two-week journey just to go and drag people out of their houses and put them in prison for following Jesus. Imagine how angry Paul's been. He's willing to go on, a, on a, at least one or two-week journey. I mean, talk about commitment. I mean, if you manage employees, maybe you're thinking, I wish some people were committed to going to work that and showing up for their shift. But some of us are like, oh, <laughs> I'm feeling bad. Like, Saul's committed. Saul is committed to this journey. And he's about to have a new beginning. A new, we all need a new beginning. What are we doing? Yet yeah, with our, Saul's got his issues, but we have our issues. You say, you know, you don't know what it's like when I'm triggered. I just, I get angry and I fly off the handle. Uh, Mike, it's, I just feel stuck. When I'm tempted to go back to that website, I know I shouldn't go to. Uh, I've just been drinking too much for too long. I don't know any other way, Mike. A lot of us know we need a new beginning. Maybe your marriage is in trouble. Maybe Maybe you're actually praying to God. Like, I'm stuck. I'm held down. I don't know which way to go. Well, this guy, Saul, was consumed with his anger, and God gave him a new beginning. And today, God can give you a new beginning. No matter what, no matter how long you've been going down the wrong road, no matter how well-worn that pathway is in your life and the neural pathways in your brain, I want you to look at my smiling face when I tell you, you can be restored. Today is your day. I've got a couple of verses here just to give you an overarching pattern in scripture of what God is up to and has been up to in this world and in this universe he created. In Isaiah 43, verse 19, he says, See, I'm doing a new thing. Now it springs up. Do you not perceive it? I'm making a way in the wilderness and streams in the wasteland. Food where there is no food. Refreshment where there is no refreshment. Rejuvenating things that were once dead. This is the kind of thing God does. This is one of the ways God shows off and shows up in our lives. If you think you're lost, if you think you've been forgotten, God specializes in coming alongside and saying, I see you. One of my favorite verses in all the Bible is Revelation 21.5. It says, he who was seated on the throne said, I am making everything new. He said, write this down for these words are true and trustworthy. I love the, the show. I'm picturing a, a king on a throne. Um, uh, one of my guilty pleasures is uh, the Viking shows and Viking movies and a, a, a Viking king in, in his hall just sitting there saying, I'm making all things new and uh, maybe munching on one of those giant turkey legs. I'm making all things new. And oh, by the way, write this down because these words are true and trustworthy. I want you to tell everybody I'm calling my shot. The game isn't even over, but just so you know, I win. That is the business God 
is up to, and that's what God is up to in our text today. In Acts chapter 9, Saul doesn't even know he needs a fresh start. He thinks he's fine. He thinks he's doing the right thing. Some of you know this kind of person. Maybe some of you are this kind of person. Maybe you're married to someone that says, I don't, I'm not the one with issues. You're the one that needs to do, uh, do some work on yourself. Maybe you work with someone like that who's always right, but they're right in the wrong way. Maybe it's your roommate or someone in your family. Saul thinks he is dead right, but he is going in the absolute wrong direction. But the good news is that Jesus was after Saul. That's the grace of God seeking Saul the whole time he was running away from God. The grace of God is seeking after you right now. So going back to the story in verse 3, as he neared Damascus on his journey, suddenly a light from heaven flashed around him. He fell to the ground and heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? Who are you? Saul asked. I am Jesus whom you are persecuting, he replied. Now get up and go into the city and you will be told what you must do. So Saul's going along his life just as normal and God speaks to him. I can imagine Paul's inner monologue before this this interaction with with Jesus. I can't believe the followers of the way they think they're going to start this new thing. No, I'm going to I'm going to I'm going to stop it before it even starts and Jesus steps in. Says his name twice. Saul. Saul. And this is another thing if we're just reading just for information, but don't take a step inside this world. It can sound so like heavenly. Saul, Saul, yes, Lord. No, Paul was struck down, like scared. Like if you're like me, you like scaring your kids. I have a son at home. He's six years old and he loves to be scared and he makes it fun. So I hide and he comes around the corner and I jump out and he doesn't just go, oh, dad, you startled me. He throws his arms up. He screams. He falls down to the ground laughing. Um, This is a really bad thing in me to encourage because I also like to scare my wife and she doesn't like to be scared. So sometimes I'll walk into the kitchen. She's making dinner or or, or doing something uh, on her computer and she's got her headphones in and I just walk up to her real careful and, and quiet and pretending like I'm not trying to scare her and she sees me and um, gets scared. She punches me in the face, um, but I deserve it. It's okay. <laughs> but Jesus startles, stops Saul dead in his tracks out of the blue and says, Saul calls him by name is what Jesus, Jesus knows his name, even though Saul is persecuting his followers. Jesus knows your name. Jesus knows where you're at, even if you're on the wrong road. Imagine this 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 could have gone so many different ways. Jesus saying, why are you persecuting me? And Saul would have had legitimate reasons. I've followed the one true God my whole life. I've worshiped at the temple. I've kept all the commands. I was the A plus student in the God school of life. I've learned from the best rabbis. I've held these things so dear all my life. And now this Jesus guy comes along and he's messing everything up. 
Now, when God calls our name, we've probably got some good reasons to feel the way we do. God, I'm so angry because of this. This happened to me, and I'm, I'm mad about it, and I just can't let it go. God, I'm jealous. It seems like other people, everything they touch turns to gold, and I have to work and hustle and strive, and I just can't let it go. God, I'm frustrated. I'm bitter, whatever it is. You know, I've, I've been a good husband, and, and she's not holding up her end of the bargain. God, I'm, I'm mad. I've been a good wife. Why am I persecuting you? Why am I, why am I so angry? I'll tell you why. But Jesus says to Saul, like he would say to us, so you think you're doing stuff to these people, but what you are doing to them, you're really doing it to me. There's this vital connection in this world, how God set up our world, that it's not just about us and God. It's about us and others, too. It matters how we treat God's children. I'm a father, and nothing pushes my buttons more than when my children mistreat each other. It's a similar dynamic with God's children. Now, yes, we need to have good boundaries. Yes, we need to be healthy people. And, and sometimes people are toxic. And scripture says that, that we don't have to keep returning to those same unhealthy patterns. But we do need to check our hearts and be very aware of our hearts towards God's children. And in Saul's case, he thought he was right. And he was actually, he was mistreating other people. But when Jesus looked at it, Jesus said, oh, yeah, you're mistreating those people, but you're actually mistreating me. And Saul, I love you enough in this moment to stop you literally in your tracks. And I'm going to give you a gift, Saul. And Jesus gives Saul the gift of dependence. In verse 8 and 9, yeah, yeah, we'll get to that in just a second. But Saul, Saul is blinded by this light. And I'm not making light of being blind. There are, there are folks who, who watch that have problems with their vision. There are folks in our congregation that deal with this. And it, I'm, I'm not making light of it at all. But in this circumstance, for this man, he's given this gift of having to depend on God to see the world in a new way and to see things differently. So, in verse uh, 7 of chapter 8, the men traveling with Saul stood there speechless. They heard the sound, but they did not see anyone. Saul got up from the ground, but when he opened his eyes, he could see nothing. So they led him by hand to Damascus. For three days he was blind, and he did not eat or drink anything. So like I said, for this moment, like God used this, this, this struggle in his life to let, to let Saul know he needs some help. He, he, literally, he couldn't even get to where he wanted to go. He had to be led by the hand. Have you ever gone through a season of your life where you've told someone, I just feel lost? Or maybe you told them, I feel so confused. I don't know which way to go. I'm, I feel like life is upside down. What if, it's, is it possible that God is using those circumstances to give you a new start? to give you a new beginning? What if there's seasons in our life where we feel lost and unseen or confused, 
but God's calling your name, saying, I, I want to do something new in your life. And, and there Saul is that we just read, praying for days. Day one, praying, God, what's going on? Day two, not even eating, just, just dependent on God, praying and praying. And I, I think it's interesting that the Bible here didn't say he was complaining. He was praying. God's messing with his heart. So while sitting there, and while, while Saul is sitting there talking to God, God is talking to someone else about Saul. In verse 10, it says, In Damascus there was a disciple named Ananias. The Lord called to him in a vision, Ananias! Yes, Lord, he answered. Notice, only had to call Ananias' name one time. I aspire to that. When God's speaking to me, I feel like God's like, knock, 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 knock. Mike! 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 What a, what a beautiful picture of Ananias connected to the vine. Ananias locked in and, and waiting to hear from God just one time. Yes, Lord. He's connected and alert. And the Lord told him, go straight. The Lord told him, go to the house of Judas on Straight Street and ask for a man from Tarsus named Saul, for he is praying. In a vision, he has seen a man named Ananias come and place his hands on him to restore his sight. Lord, I've heard many reports about this man and all the harm he has done to your holy people in Jerusalem. And he's come here with authority from the chief priest to arrest all who call on your name. But the Lord said to Ananias, Go, this man is my chosen instrument to proclaim my name to the Gentiles and to their kings, and to the people of Israel. I will show him how much he must suffer in my name. There's a lot going on there. Here's Ananias getting dinner ready, whipping the hummus, chopping the cucumbers. Here's, here's his name once. Oh, God's talking to me. Here I am, Lord. Yeah, what do you want, Lord? Ananias you know, there's this guy from Jerusalem. He's on his way to Damascus, uh, probably here to kill you or at least put you in prison, mess up your whole life. I want you to go see him. Ananias whipping the hummus. I don't want to. <laughs> I appreciate the honesty. Like, uh, wait a minute, God. Maybe you didn't know about this Saul guy. He's coming here to persecute us. But what I, I love about this, this interaction is, that, yes, there's honesty, and, but you've got, you've got Saul in this room praying to God. God is more than capable of, of restoring Saul's vision while Saul's just sitting there in a room all by himself. But as we see in the pattern of scriptures and how Jesus works through us, the healing comes through the community. It's not just about this. It's about horizontal too. God wanted to use others to heal Saul. And then the moment comes. Even after, even after the little conversation Ananias had with God, he goes to the house. In verse 17, then Ananias went into the house and entered it. Placing his hands on Saul, he said, Brother Saul, picture that moment. Here's, you're Ananias, and there's this man in front of you who's caused trauma and violence, uh, lives to be, families to be split apart. 
And he walks in and says, you jerk. He walks in and says, how dare you? No. He walks in and says, brother Saul. Not because Saul did everything right. Not because Saul meant well. He calls him brother because Ananias is choosing to see Saul as Jesus sees him. The the future Saul who would become Paul. He's calling out destiny in him, calling out to this man. And, 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 And Ananias knows that Saul can't see. But Ananias knows that Saul can feel his hand on him. So you've put your hands on on the followers of the way, Saul, and you've hurt us. I'm putting my hands on you so you can feel blessing. I'm speaking the word brother so you can hear, so you can hear peace. So I think about that and how our, our culture right now, our planet right now, it's blind. Talk about confusion and being, it doesn't feel like the gift of dependence. But that's where we're at right now. But may our church, may solid ground be a church that our world can feel and hear. Maybe maybe there's people that don't see the world like we see the world. Maybe they don't agree that the scripture is the standard that we we live by and that, uh, that we follow Jesus. But what if we could live in such a way that the world could feel and hear the heart, even if they don't see things the same way. May we be that church, no matter what our job is. Maybe we're retired, maybe we're, maybe we're in politics or business or whatever it is, but we say, I'm, I'm embedded in this community, in this neighborhood, in this office, so that people can feel and hear the love of Jesus. So in the second part of that verse, Ananias continues, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus who appeared to you on the road as you were coming here has sent me so that you may see again and be filled with the Holy Spirit. Be filled up with something else. Maybe you thought that following God is about a list of all the things you don't do. But we're filled. I love that language, being filled with the Holy Spirit. Today is a day where we have a chance to empty out all the junk that's been poured into our lives over years and decades, Uh, messages from our culture, um, messages maybe even from our own head. Just let's let that junk out today and be filled with the Spirit. And there may be some of you out there that, that when you hear that term, you think specifically of churches that speak in tongues. And I'm a tongue talker. I'm not, I'm not a, a jerk about it. I, I grew up in that world. Uh, and, I, and I've learned that, that, yes, God, oh my goodness, there's all kinds of great spiritual gifts, and I believe everything is, is there for us to take advantage of. But when, when we talk about being filled with the Holy Spirit, it's not just that's a sign of what God is doing. But when we're filled with the Spirit, we're transformed and changed by the inside out. We've heard God calling our name and and we've opened ourselves to God and turned over control of our lives over to Jesus. That The Spirit wants to fill you, fill you up with, with the, this living water. Jesus talked about the, the, 
the river of water that flows out of the heart of those who call on his name and believe in him. The Holy Spirit is the opportunity to have access to the power that created all of this, filling us up, rejuvenating us, restoring us, giving us a fresh start. So that's what it means to be filled with the Holy Spirit. We have literally, we are temples of God with God's presence inside of our hearts. And in verse 18, immediately something like scales fell from Saul's eyes and he could see again and he got up and was baptized. I'm praying we'd all see again in a way that God can only do and make possible that we would be given hope and, 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 and stamina to follow Jesus. And I'm going to give you a chance now, maybe, maybe you've been, uh, maybe you saw a link or something or, or someone direct messaged you a link to this message and, and you're here and you're like, oh, something in your heart is saying, I, I need this fresh start. Maybe you've never said yes to Jesus or maybe at one time you, you, you turned over control of your life to Jesus, but you've wandered off. Today is the day. Do you hear Jesus calling your name? Do you hear Jesus saying, I want to refresh you and take your burdens. Give me all that junk. I'm going to give you so much better. So uh, right now, I want to challenge you. Uh, if, if, you're, if, if something in your heart is saying like, okay, Jesus, I want to go your way. I've, I've, I've tried as much as I can to, to fix my life on my own. I need help. I want to invite all of you. Uh, as an affirmation of your faith, or, or maybe it's a reaffirmation, I want to invite all of you to put your hand over your heart and just pray this simple prayer with me. Dear Jesus, we give you control of our lives. Your death on the cross and resurrection, we believe in it. We confess with our mouths and believe in our hearts that you are Lord. You are the boss of us. You're in control, Jesus. Please fill us with your spirit right now and give us your eyes to see our lives and this world and the people in it as you see them. Change our hearts, Lord Jesus. In your strong and mighty and saving name we pray. Amen. Amen. Well, if you prayed that prayer and want to know what the next step is, please reach out to us. You can leave a comment here. You can send us a direct message or go to sgbic.com. We want to help you on your next steps and, and rejoice with you. But also, if you're still feeling overwhelmed and say, like, I, I've given Jesus control over my life, but now what? Reach out to us. You're not alone in this. You need the community around you as you take your next steps. So until we're together again, may the Lord bless you and keep you and cause his face to shine down upon you. The Lord be gracious to you. May God give you his peace in the name of the Father and Son and Holy Spirit. Amen.